Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Uh, my name is Ethan. Um, I'm one of the key volunteers here, but then I also have served as the youth director in the past. But when I heard that we were reading through the book of James together as a church, I knew I had to get on that. James is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books of the Bible, and some of you guys know that. Um, so today's a pretty big, big day for me. You know, I get to preach. Um, I have my whole family here. It's really special. One of my favorite books of the Bible. But the day's even more special because my beautiful fiance got to help lead worship just right before this, which is so awesome. Yes. Uh, Madeline and I's relationship is pretty great. We're both pretty go-with-the-flow type people, which makes for some pretty awesome spontaneous dates. You know, let's, let's go see a movie. Yeah! Um, but also, when it comes to, like, where should we go for dinner? Um, what game should we play? What movie, show, what movie or TV show should we watch? Um, the conversation goes a lot like this. I don't know. Uh, what do you want to do? I don't know. Uh, what do you want to do? Uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? And it just gets in this cycle of this conversation. We both don't always know what we want. But after a deeper analysis um, of looking at that question, I don't know, what do you want? It's just an attempt for both of us to find out what the other actually wants and to please the other. That's what we really want. If you look closely at your actions and their results, I think you'll find what you really want. I think that mindset or headspace of, I don't know what I want, is more prevalent than we might first realize. Because, I'll, I'll give you an example. Every single year, I think, I swear, millions of people buy a gym membership. And they say, I want to go to the gym and I want to work out. And use it once. Or maybe not at all. <laughs> right? You forget you bought it. People don't really want to go to the gym. They want to want to go to the gym. It's the same thing with when you see an old friend. Oh, hey, we should really hang out. And then you never pick up the phone or make any attempt to hang out with them. You didn't really want to hang out with them. Your actions reveal what you really want. Uh, but these examples are fairly harmless when compared to if you're the type of person who says, I love Jesus. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but you can never be found in church. You never talk to the God that you call God. You fight and argue rather than make peace. You just don't even want to admit that you're wrong. You care more about someone's political or technical theological stances than just loving thy neighbor. I think this reality is more of a symptom than the actual problem, though. Christian hypocrisy is more of the symptom. When it comes to spiritual health, we want to address the symptoms but kill the disease. We're going to talk about symptoms, but I hope we can kill the disease today. And once we read um, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, I think we'll begin to understand one of the diseases that plagues all of our lives. Will you guys rise with me as we read James chapter 4? James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Will you please pray with me? Dear God, this is your word. I pray that we'll begin to understand it more deeply, that it will be able to come into our lives and affect us. I pray that we want to be changed by you, God, and I pray that our actions will show that. Dear God, please speak through me. Change my words. Change my words in their ears or straight from my mouth. God, let let you speak today. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us first. You may have a seat. Before, we're going to dive into this, but before that, I want to lay this out there. I am talking to you. I am not talking to the person to your right, to the person to your left. I'm talking to you. I find it so often that I'll be listening to a sermon and I'm like, man, that was a really good point for someone. And no, 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 that was a good point for me. Okay, so to avoid this, I want to say I'm talking to you. In verse 1, we see that the problems, the the arguments, the fights that the readers of James are facing are caused by their passions warring within them, which is the reason why I think we as people, as Christians, so often do one thing, yet do one thing, and yet say another. But what does it mean when we say, um, when when James says, our passions are warring within us? The passions James is talking about is our old self and our new self. Our self before we know God and after Jesus changes everything. You see, we have these two spirits within us. I think Paul, Paul does a great job of giving, painting this picture for us. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4. Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Before Jesus, our passions, our desires, our wants are pure evil. They are quite literally ungodly. God is not there. But after Jesus comes in and changes our hearts so that we have more of a desire for him. This is reality for all Christians. We all struggle with falling into sin and away from God. Even Paul does this. He talks about this in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do is what I keep on doing. That's why I say we all have the disease of our desires fighting for control. We have these two desires fighting for control over our life. 
Today we got to choose which one we really want. That's the disease. Now we're going to take a look at the symptoms that come from it. We can learn a lot from it from verse 1. James says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James says we have these two desires. They're fighting. And when we fight, when those desires are fighting within us, we're hostile to others. We argue, we fight. It might be better translated, though, we war with others. This is how strong James is being here. We see this happen in the church. So often we we can look on social media and you see, don't Google churches. (laughs) Sometimes you might not find a location, you might find a bad story. The stories we can hear of churches just breaking up and fighting and exploding over nothing, exploding over the color of carpet. I also see Christians being unwilling to restore their relationships with one another and just changing churches over it. How often do we fight because we're just We just want to be right rather than we want to have peace. How often can we just not admit that we're wrong? I have to look at my life. Because is that what you want your life to look like? Look at your actions. Is that what your life is doing? It is impossible to have two people in line with God, loving God, and be fighting at the same time. It's impossible to have that happen. It's impossible to have two people going, yes, God, I want everything that you have for me and actually wanting that because they're actually doing it and be warring and fighting with each other. So you need to check yourself. Look inside, what do you really want? When you're, if you're fighting with somebody, am I just not willing to admit that I'm wrong? Do I desire just to be right here? We've got to see if we're still in step with God. That's the first symptom, warring with others. The next, James continues. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. He's talking about prayer, uh, two specific kinds of prayer, not praying at all, and wrongful prayer. Yes, it it is possible to pray wrongly. Our prayer life suffers when our desires are fighting between God and ourselves. Our prayer life suffers. So often we can find ourselves not praying. Why is that? I mean, we worship God. We say, yes, he's the one I want eternal relationship with. But we just don't pray. Maybe it's because we don't know what prayer is. But, but if you spent enough time in church, I, I sincerely hope you know what that is. But if, if, if you don't, let, let me give you a quick rundown and just a reminder for the rest of us. Prayer is a conversation. It's casual. It doesn't have to be anything super special. You don't have to have the fancy words. You can just say, hey, God. Prayer is a two-way conversation. It's not us just dropping things at Jesus' door and saying goodbye, have fun with those. But he does let us drop things at his door. God loves you and he wants to spend time with you. But maybe we don't pray because we already know the answer. That's a scary one. I remember before I met Madeline, I was scared to pray, God, is this the person I'm supposed to be dating? Because I knew the answer. Thankfully, Madeline was an answer to prayer. 
Maybe we don't want to pray because we can feel the separation we have with us and God based on how we're living our lives. Are we living a life that makes us draw distant to God so we don't want to go back to him because we don't want to give up? Maybe you just stop caring about God. Is that, is that what our lives are looking like now? But if you do want a relationship with God, my question is, is prayer there? Is prayer in your life? Does it look like you're a person who wants that? If someone got a videotape of your life, would they know, oh, that's someone who desires God? Maybe today is a, oh, maybe my actions haven't been describing what I, I feel. James also says, you do not ask, you ask and do not receive. Because you ask wrongly, just bend it on your passions. Yes, it is possible to pray wrongly, and that's scary. When our desires aren't aligned with God's, and we don't want to change, God can't answer wrong prayers. God can't answer wrongful prayers. When we treat God like a vending machine or just Amazon, hey God, I'll take that, that, and that. Better be on here, better be here on time. God is not going to do that. Or when we just pray pure sin. We're asking pure wrong things, even if we don't realize it. But, you know, we haven't, we haven't checked in on what God wants. I've heard it said by a pastor at one point, prayer is not a, about aligning God's will with mine. Hey, God, bring, this is what I want. Come down here. It's not about aligning God's will with ours, but aligning our will with his. There's a reason Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, Lord, thy will be done. We should pray that more. Lord, thy will be done. God, I want this. God, this would really help me in my life, but thy will be done. God, I really have this strong desire here, but thy will be done. Now, I do have to say this. Some God, sometimes God does just say no or just wait. And so I want you to know that if your prayer isn't answered immediately, that doesn't mean you're in the wrong and you have to feel terrible there are some prayers that God wants to answer, but he just knows it's for the better. Sometimes not all good prayers are what God wants to answer. But if your prayer is based on your timeline, your wants, your desires, you and God are probably not on the same page. And God cannot give anything that is less than perfect. Check your hearts, because if you want your way more than God, something has to change. Because the third symptom, James says in verses four and five, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose? The scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. James calls his readers here adulterous. Basically saying, you cheat on your heavenly father. You say, you are God. I love you. I need you. But you are chasing all manner of things and placing him lower than your desires for instant pleasure. Is that you as well? Again, look at your actions. What do you want? If what you want is what you're doing, celebrate. But if what you want in your heart is not coming out in your actions. You need to look closer. 
Friendship with the world is enmity with God. This world is evil. John 9, uh, John 5, 1 John 5, 19 says, The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The devil is the ruler of this world. Everything in this world is messed up. I think you can see that. God did not create disease, pain, suffering. But the more present sin, the devil, more present sin, the more evil and corrupt things become. This includes your life. The more sin you have in your life, the more separation, the more enmity that is created between us and God. What does enmity mean? Enmity means creating hostility, creating hatred between two parties. Now, if you see this pattern in your life of creating hostility, it does not mean you're automatically not saved and Jesus doesn't love you anymore. It's not what that means. It is possible. I, I've heard it explained like this. This is, a good, this is a good one. That you can create hostility. They can create hatred in your marriage. But that doesn't mean at the end of the day you're not married. That's a very dangerous place to put your relationship. We can make ourselves enemies of God by chasing after our, the pleasures of this world which ends in separation from God eternally. We call that hell. So I ask again, what do you want? Do you want to keep living your life this way, the way that you're acting? Or do you actually want to change something? I really hope you want to change because the results are separation from God. This third symptom is more of a result than anything else. I really hope you do want to do something about it because God hates that separation too. It's not like God's going, yeah, those filthy sinners over there, I want nothing to do with them. It's quite the opposite. That's why James writes in verse five, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? God has made us in his own image. He looks at each one of you, remember, I'm talking to you, that he loves you that he sees his perfect creation, that he has spent so much time molding. He sees his craftsmanship, and he just wants to be a safe place for you. He's brokenhearted when he sees us destroying our lives or pushing others away from him, intentionally or unintentionally. He desires a relationship with you, not because he needs you, but because in the mystery of God's mind, he decided to love you. Decided to even love me. So if you're feeling separated or you just never have belonged, it's okay. God has made it so easy. It, it is not out of reach for anyone to remove that separation. Moving on, we're going to read this next part. This is my favorite part. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, to, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. The solution is grace. Come on. Solution is grace, meaning it's not on you. It's not on you. You aren't the ones doing the heavy lifting because grace means unmerited favor. It's, it's better understood as an image, as a, a reminder 
of what Jesus did on the cross for us and the great love that God has for us. That's what we should remember grace as. Everyone knows that Jesus died on the cross. It's impossible not to know that, especially in today's America. But do you realize that that punishment wasn't for him? That's what the murderers at that time intended it to be. But that punishment was in replace of us. That's the free gift that us Christians talk about. And along with it comes freedom from sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. This is offered to everyone, regardless of your background, which I am very grateful for. But James says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This means if you are stuck in your ways, stuck in your wants of not God, my way, my way, pride, God has nothing for you. But if you're able to go, I need something. God, this last two years have been really hard. Got a lot on my plate. Humbleness. You just ask God. Just ask God. He gives grace. He gives it. I don't get it. He gives it. But again, if you're opposed to God, it's going to be hard. Even if you're not completely opposed to God. I mean, you're in church today. I don't think any of you are completely opposed to the idea of God. Where are you holding on to control? Where are you pridefully going, no, God, this one's mine. You can have the rest. Fix the other problems. But this one's mine. The first word in verse 7 is probably one of the most un- misunderstood words in the entire Bible. It's become kind of a dirty, dirty word. Submit. It's really hard. You can probably find a thousand different definitions out there. Okay, in researching this, I was like, what does this word even mean anymore? So many people are trying to water it down. But I'm going to try to paint a picture here for you. If humbleness is recognizing my shortcomings, submission is humbleness plus recognizing God's power and authority and willing to say, I need that over me. It's a going, I'm a limited person. God's a mighty being. Let's do this. Now, if you're willing to put yourself underneath the power of God because you realize you need help, I'm going to give you three things that you now have access to because of God's grace. The first thing we can do is we can resist the devil. Woohoo! We can resist the devil. Verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Aren't you tired of just messing up? Falling back into sin. Once you have God's grace, the devil, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I know if I was sitting um, in the seats and I was hearing that, um, probably not even that long ago, I would go, yeah, 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 I know the Bible says that, but that's not how that works. It's probably because I forgot, maybe you forget, the first part of that, submit to God. It's impossible to have the second, oh, devil, you must submit to my authority and flee from me. It's impossible to have that. It is possible to go. I have God's authority over me now, devil, flee. The next thing we can do 
is we can draw near to Jesus, and he will draw near to us. This, this is my, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. It, it, it's so incredible. Um, this, this is the best, best analogy for this. The prodigal son. Okay. This son disrespects his father, creates this giant separation between their, their personal relationship, and then takes half of his father's money and actually leaves. So there's literal separation. But once this son finds himself in the position of, I have no more money, I have no home, I have no food, he thinks back to his father and he goes, he's got money. I mean, he's so important. He's definitely, he can definitely help. And in recognition of his faults, he goes, he starts to go back to his father with the intention of going, just make me a servant, make me a slave. At least I'll have some place to stay, some place to eat. But the scripture says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion on him, and ran and embraced him. We serve a God who will run to you even if you're far off. We serve a God who will run to you even though you're far off. Again, we aren't the ones doing the heavy lifting here. God is. So if you feel far off, if you've been chasing after the wrong desires, the wrong wants, draw near to God and he will run to you. We aren't the ones who has to do all the work. The third thing we can do now is purify our hearts. Verse 8 says, cleanse your heart, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. One of my favorite passages of scripture that has just been so important for my spiritual growth is uh, Psalms 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. I found praying that consistently has been so important. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Praying that and aligning my will with God's has been just an absolute necessity. So when it comes to purifying our hearts, I say it again, God is the one doing the heavy lifting. But we are in a series called A Faith That Works. So don't just sit back and say, Hey, God, have fun with that. I'm waiting. We, we got to be moving with God. We are active with God in him changing our life. We are active with God in him changing our life. I'm going to invite the band to start making their way up here. Listen, I, I've talked about um, a lot of things, um, uh, but it, re- it really comes down to this. What do you want? And if you don't know, look at your actions because they will tell you what you really want. If you want God, forgiveness, freedom, he makes it really easy on you. Talk to him. Go to him in the quiet of your own heart right now and say, God, I need you. Please help. That's not the full conversation we have to have with God, but it's the best place to start. If you just want a place where you can belong before you believe, Mosaic, I think, makes that really easy for you. Connect with us. We'd love to welcome you. Connect with us in person. Come say hi. Come check in online. But for those of you who proudly say, I want a relationship with God, he's my guy. 
you want a faith that works. Look at your actions. Is that true? Check your hearts right now. Is prayer prevalent? How's your relationship with others, especially in the church? How's your relationship with God? Do you feel that separation? Ask God for help, and he will help you change. Dive deeper into a community group. We have lots of opportunities there. Connect with people that will encourage you. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we need you, whether we are willing to admit it or not. You are God. And I pray that we'll be able to look at our lives right now and go, oh, here, here's where I need you more. God, I've not been willing to um, give you control in this area. I pray that we're, that we're able to, to come up to your will and not bring, try to bring your will down to us. God, let thy will be done. Let your will be done. God, please change our lives. Help us to actually do something and not just want. God, you are so great. Thank you for loving us first and doing the heavy lifting. Amen. Now it's time for you to choose. It's time for you to choose what you want because God already has chosen. He wants you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.